0: Welcome to season three of Handpicked. It's so great to be back with a wonderful sponsor in Clearco, but what great businesses we have discovered. It's a great way to show and feel and learn about what's going on in Australian business. So if you like what you hear, perhaps you could rate us or review us or refer it to another business owner. Hey Tim, welcome to Handpicked, the podcast. It's so good to have you and you're located in Wellington in New Zealand and you've heard of our podcast. So maybe first of all, tell us a bit about your business. Cool.
1: Well, first of all, thank you for having me. And uh, so my business is called Total Tennis. It's a, a performance based tennis academy that I began playing tennis in when I was younger. Uh, It eventuated that I ended up becoming a 50% partner in it, grew it and expanded it and now I have taken it over completely. I'm now a 100% owner of uh, Total Tennis and uh, all that we do outside of that.
0: And and what does the business look like for those who don't know? What sort of programs do you run and how does it work?
1: So it really began as uh, tennis coaching. So it was sort of, you know, you pay your money, you come and do some tennis coaching, we try and upskill you and get you better. Uh, and we've sort of expanded out, outside of that to really uh, be a service-based business that gets people healthy and active and we run that right across uh, the Wellington region and we've just recently taken on some partners at our main facility uh, in Wellington at the Renault Tennis Centre and we're looking to grow out of, outside of tennis coaching.
0: Well it sounds like you've got some questions for me. So where do you want to start?
1: My first one for you is uh, on uh, building a personal brand. So obviously, you know, you started your company, Red Balloon, and you've uh, managed to grow that. But uh, outside of that, you've sort of created uh, a brand for yourself as well. Obviously, you're on Shark Tank, you do a number of speaking engagements, and also now you have a podcast, which is very cool. And so sort of, how was that process uh, and what was that process like sort of building your business and then stepping out from behind it to, uh, to build your own personal brand around that as well?
0: Yeah. And would I do it differently now if I was, you know, starting again? And when we think about my business journey, it did start a very long time ago, before social media and before uh, even digital photography and before, you know, any of these things uh, that they now have. You know, online was was at its infancy, let alone marketplaces. One of the things that I learned was that running a website, I had to build trust because people never met me. And so how do I build trust and how do I listen to customers? And because I was working in a two-dimensional space, it was about leaving the office, going to some networking events and meeting some people. And um, I I knew that I could string a few words together and I'd been given the gift of the gab because my mum told me for when I was a really young, young thing, you've been given the gift of the gab, use it for good or for evil. And so I realised it was a much better way to ink Increase the influence for my business as if people trusted it. And somebody just one day said, oh gosh, you look good in red. And I go, great, I'll just wear that then. That'll be fine. You know, tick the box. It's really easy. So it was not an intentional thing about building what they call now personal brand. It was about reputation. This was long before all of these things to do with influences and social reach and all of that. I just thought if I really look after my reputation, I do what I say I'm going to do. I'm trustworthy, people can count on me, then ultimately people would talk about me and that was my whole role. So when people ask me this question about personal branding, I say, why? What is your intention? What are you trying to achieve? Is it about contribution? So once I realized that I'd gone through incredible learning curves as part of my own business journey, I started my business, I'd been in corporate life, I didn't really know much about anything. I had to learn so much. And then at some point I realized I may as well share those lessons with others. So I started writing a blog. Now it's become a podcast. This is only about sharing what I'm learning and having others potentially not have to go through some of the lessons I had to go through. So my intention has always been about sharing creating community, being a role model to small businesses and empowering them to grow and maybe shortcutting a few things. So this was definitely not about being famous. In fact, I said no to doing Shark Tank first up because I was like, I don't want to be in the public domain. I'm, I'm in the business community, but do I really want to be? And then somebody said, well, there's many entrepreneurs out there who will never, you know, budding entrepreneurs who will never get to see how you got there unless you, you go and sit on that stage, which I chose to do. So Personal branding can be a real rod for your own back as well in terms of, um, you know, like if I don't wear my glasses, I can't see. And then I looks like I'm frowning and everybody thinks I'm mad and angry. It's not. I'm just too vain to wear my glasses. And so, oh, she's really angry. She's really fierce. So people will make judgments about you before they've even met you. So uh, really be clear about your intention of creating your reputation and what that looks like and then reputation for me is about your values and the consistent execution of your values and people have put this label on it called personal branding
1: that's right because one one thing sort of along those lines as well is uh, the way, the way you sort of do it and the way that I look up to and respect like a lot more is you know if you go on social media these days you're just bombarded with buy my course you know I'll teach you how to be this I'll teach you how to do business and their whole business is actually based around the selling those courses whereas your whole the personal branding and image that you get get across is more is so much more uh authentic and and it comes across authentically because of the things that you do with podcasts it really feels like you're sharing knowledge for the sake of sharing knowledge because you want to not just to make a buck which i think is where that influencer stuff really really it's pretty
0: it's pretty obvious when there's product placement pretty quickly um and you know, you know. It's not to say that I don't have clients who know that I have a reach into small business, and they, they, and I really, really value the sponsors of this show because otherwise we wouldn't get to produce it. And they also, their customers are small businesses and startups and online businesses, and that just really works. So when there's synergies, it makes sense because we're both wanting to speak to the same audience, but it's done authentically and with trust. And uh, and that's very different than, you know, holding up some product that I just don't even know what mm, it
1: is. Yeah, it's true. Hey, um, so my second question for you is uh, something that I've been uh going through quite a lot recently. I'm, uh, I'm 21, I decided to drop out of high school and get into business and, and to pursue that. And uh, one thing that I get bombarded with all the time is you should do a course or you should do a qualification. So I, I built like our own website and you know I've, I've done, did our, all our own accounting to start with and all those kinds of things. and. It was often being told you should do hey why not do a qualification in web design why not do a course in accounting you know i think one of the funniest ones is you should go to our university to study entrepreneurship Uh, and i sort of just wanted to get into it so i guess the question there is courses study it or dive into it what are your thoughts on that
0: oh there's also this school called the school of hard knocks And that's done pretty well for many people. So, you know, learning to pick yourself up. But I guess it is about being able to observe and see the lessons that you are um, experiencing. So the hard thing is you don't know what you don't know. And, you know, I sit on two different university boards. So I'm a big believer in education, but also you've got to know what you want to know. So I would ask you to explore yourself where you feel out of your comfort zone. Where is it you feel like, I, I actually just don't know this. And I've seen some fabulous entrepreneurs who become a little vulnerable because they've got these blind spots. Sometimes it is around technology. Uh, sometimes it is around finances and they trust somebody implicitly. Your job as leader is to be circumspect and asking hard questions, even when you don't know what the answers are. So I um, staying curious the other thing is you might find mentors now mentors people think oh this is a person who'll be sitting you know by me for life no 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 think about what is the question i want answered and who is the best person to help you answer that question and then just reach out to them people are incredibly supportive the other people is, thing is people, some people just aren't academic, and it's fine. You know, that, getting a score in a university's exam is not going to determine your success. However, having a certain reach of skill sets and making sure you're a generalist, because when you're the leader of a business, you have to know, a little bit about a lot of things and also know when you're a little out of your depth and who you can trust. So there's other ways to go through it besides why don't you do my course? I'm just joking. <coughs>
1: how, how much is it? Where do I swipe my card? <coughs> <coughs> Solve me. Yeah, well, I mean, so, so, but, so, what you said is, is correct, and it feels it feels like when I uh, when I am doing things, you know, I become an expert in whatever it is that I'm doing at that time. So, when we're designing our website, I spent, you know, basically our last lockdown, all my time was put in, how do I make this website look look the best I can get it, and uh, and you become an expert in that field. You know, we you spend hours doing it, you achieve it, it's done, you move on to the next thing. Whereas I feel sort of like with with the idea of studying and doing courses, is it so much learning about how to do it and why we do it and all that, rather than actually just sort of getting in and doing it, and which is what it's all about, really in the end, isn't it? Especially with uh, when you're running a business, it's about actually delivering and doing things rather than learning learning about them.
0: As I said before, you don't know what you don't know, and and that's the challenge for any business owner, whether they've got a degree or not, and. Um, I I suppose one of the outcomes of doing a degree is about a learning to get along with people, which I didn't particularly like. Just so they know, you put they put us into do groups and group assignments, and actually, guess what? Actually, that's what you need to know in business is how to get along with disparate people who you've just been lumped together, and you've all got these different kind of personalities and skills. So, actually, that was quite valuable. I didn't particularly like it. But I got it. I learned something from it, um, and the, and the other thing is, you can become really good at, let's say, the website, and you've done that. But you might find engaging somebody who just does your search engine optimization. We had a fabulous guy on last season, or maybe it was the first season, and he's just the world expert at that. And they might give you the last 10%. In other words, you can buy those services for the last piece of expertise that you really need. But you need to have enough knowledge to be able to brief people properly, and be able to get the most from any resources and skills that you may retain. So, uh, you know, a little bit of knowledge isn't necessarily dangerous, but but having enough information that you can ask great, questions to get the best of other professionals and experts, I think that's great. It's important to remember that the business that you're in. Now, are you in the business of tennis or are you in the business of fitness or are you in the business of entertainment? These are all questions to ask yourself. But when you find out what is your secret source, your superpower, then that is what you protect that is what you keep investing in. And everything else ultimately can it be either outsourced or bought in. But you just have to understand enough of it that you're asking the right questions.
1: Uh, so for my next one is uh, one that I guess um, we sort of went through a bit of a process with when I was working with my business partner who originally ran our academy, um, is purpose versus profit. So a large part of uh, why we do what we do is the the thrill out of you know going to schools and working with kids with disability and getting them active or getting people you know out doing uh, physical activity in a way the phones away from phones that's obviously you know a big uh, big purpose behind it but uh, that can't be scaled up and improved upon unless there's profits behind it you know to, to run and to scale things up. And I guess sort of where we saw things a little bit differently was that that purpose was what he held so strong in, in doing it and making it affordable p- for people. But in order to scale up, you actually need to be so financially uh, you know, savvy and motivated as well to have enough money in the coffers so that you can grow it up. So I was wondering what are your thoughts on that with, uh, you know, a lot about social entrepreneurial uh, social, entre- social entrepreneurs and sort of, you know, getting that, that whole pro- uh, profit versus purpose type thoughts what are your thoughts on that
0: if you haven't got the means you can't change the world it's that simple so you can have all the intention in the world but if you haven't got the funds to be able to do it it's worth nothing uh, I believe in profit, I believe in cash flow, I, I, otherwise you can't invest, you can't grow and so forth. So this is about getting the business model right. It's about getting the purpose aligned with the financial metrics in your business and making sure that they, they really drive each other. Um, the businesses I've been involved in, including my Shark Tank businesses, are very purposeful but they're also very profit-driven. It's more than profit that now, though. It's not profit at all cost. It's be profitable while contributing to our community and our society. There's no business now that's not looking at their triple bottom line, which includes their contribution to community, their ESG program, their climate. That we don't operate in isolation and we must look to our community. As business leaders, we must. However, it has to be profitable, but it's no longer profit at all cost. It doesn't make sense, and people actually don't want to engage with businesses that are cutthroat and like that. So he-
1: here's one following up on that. Uh, you obviously must be very competitive to get to where you are today. When does competitive become too competitive? Um,
0: do I like to win? Hmm. Some, would say, some would say yes, but I've often found it's this sense of accomplishment Is different than winning because winning implies I beat someone else now um, I truly believe in competitive marketplaces so uh, in other words when somebody's coming on and pitching Shark Tank and they and they say are you the only one they say yes I go why hasn't somebody else thought of this Or if they're really straight up and they say, yeah, there's six other people in in this space, I say, well, why are you better than them? Or what's your value proposition? Because really, it could be just that you're targeting a different audience. There's other tennis businesses in New Zealand. But what is your secret? What is your uniqueness? And then you have a sense of accomplishment around that and not necessarily beating everybody else. Uh, You know, we're seeing in the US right now that these four big horsemen that they're calling of Facebook, Apple, Google and Amazon are not good for small business and they're not good necessarily for the consumers as well. And so we see these huge monopolistic behaviours and not necessarily serving our community as they best should. And so I'm not saying that you're at the point of monopoly, but sometimes the competitor could also be your partner. We've seen that more than ever now during COVID and lockdowns where businesses, local businesses working together have, uh, speaking to the same customer, they don't have to find, you know, very expensive one. Look, this isn't for me, but why don't you do it because you'll be better off. And actually the whole community grows.
1: Mm. That's, uh, that's actually sort of what's going on with us at the moment, like with our, with our partnerships that we've just made in Wellington with that Renolf Tennis Centre um, idea I talked to you about. We've actually linked up with uh, our, previously they were our competition in, in the main town of, uh, of Wellington where we live. And we've linked up saying, hey, you guys have got the coaching covered uh, in the city. We've got the coaching covered out here. What more can we utilise this facility for outside of tennis? You know, we're thinking about uh, like corporate uh, team building and events. Uh, we're thinking of just events full stop that we can throw out, out of there. You know, tennis for the disabled. These different sort of streams that we can, we can do that isn't directly in competition, but that we can we can all profit off and actually deliver, you know, good things for people as well. Yeah, sort of um... yeah,
0: if there's one capital asset like that, it can be used for so many different audiences. and you' you have connections and contacts in one certain area while somebody hasn't in the other. And we've just got to get clever about how we use these assets. And I think one of the biggest examples we've seen is restaurants who you only ever went to a fine dining restaurant and you had their full service. and so therefore, for you know, 50% of their time, at least, that kitchen was not being used. Now, it's a perfectly good kitchen that can be used for other things at other times. So I think how people begin to look at their capital and then what is that asset and how else can I utilize that asset will ultimately give us growth outcomes that we're looking for, uh, for our economies. And I think it's very important.
1: Hey, so uh, another question that I have on my my list is, uh, is on motivation. So, you know, you've obviously uh, headed your business and you must have, you know, in the early days and still today, I imagine you have your bad days where just everything sort of sort of feels bad and I was wondering where do you go for your motivation and where do you draw your motivation from whether it be you know are you religious spiritual do you get it from your family does it come from within you know what where does that motivation uh come from come from for you
0: one of my innate strengths is positivity and I was born laughing and smiling and my mother said I've just always been the most positive person she's ever known But I'm not the CEO of my business anymore. In fact, it's more than 10 years since I stepped aside. And um, David Anderson, my business partner, is the group CEO and he's he's got incredible skills that I don't have and vice versa and I think one of the greatest challenges for any founder entrepreneur is to be able to look in the mirror and say what am I not great at you don't have to be an expert at everything and therefore um he is much better at this you know at the sort of scale that we are now putting into that business so I think that one is what are your non-strengths and be okay with them and find somebody who is an absolutely fantastic uh, business partner The other thing is where do I get my energy from? And even to this day, even though I'm not operationally involved with the businesses, we tell stories about the customers, the impact that we had on human beings and whether that be our small business supply partners and how we delivered them customers in a time when they just didn't have any pipeline or whether it's the people who got to celebrate a certain event or activity and used our experiences to do so all business is about people. You're in the experiences business. You are in the business of people and how people talk about you. So anytime I'm looking for energy, I just want to know I've made a difference. And so when somebody tells me, oh, I heard you speak, you know, 10 years ago, and because of that, I started this business, feel pretty good, you know. And so, and that's what keeps me going is hearing the impact. Purposes about how you contribute to others, and occasionally when you find out that contribution you did make, it's very rewarding.
1: So what what, what I was sort of talking about before with how we began as tennis coaching, right? You know, I would i from watching. Many Dragon's Den episodes, you know, you you hear often that they talk about just stick with one thing and do one thing really well. So if we had this idea of, you know, we're doing tennis coaching, why don't we just focus on that scale up tennis coaching? But what we're doing is actually looking at diversifying and how can we get it outside of just tennis and and do all sorts of different things, uh, um, you know, like that. So what do you think about diversifying and, and looking at doing different things rather than just focusing on doing one thing, you know, really well?
0: It, that'll come back to your purpose. It'll come back to why you're in business. And some can do this very, very successfully and others can't. So, our purpose at Red Balloon initially was we're changing gifting in Australia forever. Australia and New Zealand, by the way, of course, of course. But we, so we were, that was at gifting was at the center of it. So, all of our innovation came around gifting. And then at some point, we go, oh, That might not be enough, but the brand didn't extend beyond that because people self-gift as well, but it didn't extend beyond that. And ultimately, we actually had to have a different approach and different brands to serve different audiences because we didn't have the brand um, elasticity to all of a sudden go into bookings or go into something else. And there's other businesses that do that. So maybe let's work together on that. So come back to your purpose because your purpose will drive your innovation and your purpose will drive what is our next uh, offering our next value set and then also to just to try before you go too deeply in it we're thinking about doing this getting some customers together asking them showing them seeing it getting them to experience it is this something you would pay for uh, before you invest too heavily
1: yeah so you you do think that businesses can diversify and scale up and, and get bigger doing sort of multiple things rather than just one thing well and scaling that one thing up
0: well Completely depends on what your purpose is. So the purpose of Big Red Group is to shift the way people experience life. And that is a very broad definition, which means for our employees, it means one thing. For me, it might mean another. But it's a very broad purpose statement. But I also have an Irish friend who has run many businesses and very successfully. And he says, you can only be shitting on one's toilet at a time. So... um, so it really, really depends. So your purpose and your values will guide you and make sure it aligns with your purpose. And if you aren't yet comfortable with what that purpose is, keep working on it until you get it so that it's everything you live and breathe and the people around you really engage in it.
1: Okay, I, yeah, well, I guess um, my last one, this is, this is maybe not going to make it into the podcast, but if I were to offer you some free tennis lessons... And, uh, and even I've heard that offering a donation uh, to your Cerebral Palsy Foundation that you're, you chair as well. And if you're ever in Wellington, I could offer you and Stuart a night out on the town in Wellington. Uh, would you consider uh, giving me a moment more of your time uh, outside of this to consider an investment proposition for equity in, uh, in Total Tennis? And, uh, and even if it could be maybe even having Total Tennis on Red Balloon New Zealand as an experience that we offer in Wellington what would your thoughts be on that (laughs) so
0: so that's what i was going to say the latter of the of those two i must admit we haven't come across the ditch for quite some time which is which is very sad for us and we will get there soon i'm sure but my best way of supporting businesses and clearco is a sponsor of our show and it's because Giving equity to people who are not as invested or working as hard as you can actually be quite distracting. And I've I've got many investments that I've made through Shark Tank, many that I'm still invested in. So I would rather see that if you need a growth capital, that you look at something like Clearco in terms of how you are growing your online component of your business by not giving up equity. Equity is so precious. Be really careful because I might not be aligned with your values or your sense of purpose so uh, it's really really um, if you're choosing an equity partner choose one with shared purpose shares values and it's going to deliver something much more than just money Uh, but I will try on the second one and introduce you to the Rebelo New Zealand team hey
1: thank you very much I really appreciate your time I know you've been very busy